across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with lots of food and drink news and stories from in and around Cambridge. I'm Matt Bentman and here's Alan Alder and Sue Bailey with a roundup of what we have today. Yeah, we look at cheese and wine matching with Camilla of the Cambridge Cheese Company. And then you come to, you know, the amazing pairings where the kind of acidity in a wine cuts through the real dense kind of rich creaminess of a cheese and then it makes both of them sing. So really, there's so much value in in a good pairing uh, and in eating the right food with the right drink. We find out what's on offer at the Cambridge Cookery School. We want to deliver a really excellent experience and and the quality and for people to go home with um, that feeling of renewed confidence or, you know, definitely having learnt something that perhaps seemed like a bit of a mystery. And we head down to White Hill, next to the football grounds, to check out a community allotment. It's the early rebirth after the long, dark winter. Hooray! Isn't that nice? (laughs) And we've lots of food and drink news throughout the programme too, as well as a large number of jobs in our jobs section at the end. Yeah, but uh, let's begin with cheese and wine. Now, we all love cheese and wine, except for my sister who doesn't like cheese, but how can you enhance your enjoyment of both to give you an even more intense pleasure? The answer is to drink the right wine with the right cheese. And to help you to do that, the Cambridge Cheese Company has put together some wine and cheese packs. I asked their shop manager, Camilla, about matching cheese and wine and her general recommendations. Camilla, can you tell me something about the uh, the cheese and wine packages that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. This is something we're so excited about launching. You know, dry January has finally come to an end. <laughs> um, not that we partook in that particularly strictly, but we thought it'd be a lovely thing to celebrate. You know, in February, there's um, National Drink Wine Day. Comes up on the 18th of February, if you weren't aware. We've obviously got Valentine's coming up as well. And we thought it would be a really nice kind of gift idea that we could launch. Um, it's something we've had in the pipeline for a long time, having now run lots of wine and cheese tastings via Zoom through lockdown and in person as well. So it was the natural next step. So currently we have four different wines that we've paired, each with three cheeses. So we had a really good week at work tasting them all (laughs) to make sure that it was a great match. Um, And they've just launched on our website uh, and are available now to buy in the shop as well. Right, Okay. so uh, for people who are perhaps new to the idea of pairing cheese and wine successfully, uh, any general advice? We do have lots of general advice. It's funny, actually, everyone is keen to pair red wine with cheese. Yes. That's the sort of thing you hear about all the time, but actually that's the trickiest thing to do. And people assume that all red wine goes with all cheese, and that's absolutely not the case. There are lots that really kind of um, contrast those flavours. Young goat's cheese, for example, don't handle the tannin 
wines in red wine well at all. So actually we've launched four packs which don't even include a red wine tasting pack currently because we need to deal with every single red wine individually. So the ones that we really love, classic pairings that people are less aware about, are things like dry white wine and sparkling wines pair phenomenally well with sweet, young, creamy goats and sheep's milk cheeses, um, rich, gooey, soft rind washed cheeses like Epoise, for example, Petit Longre, um, and all other kind of young, beautiful goat's cheeses. So that's a pairing that actually is my personal favourite and I think the most effective that lots of people don't know about. Now we are also offering an amazing port tasting. That is one of the more classic ones with kind of savoury blue cheeses, strong cheddars, rich chowders. Um, and that will be the one people are more familiar with. But our rosé, white wine and sparkling wine tasting packs are the ones I think will be a nice surprise. Right. I mean, the port and strong flavoured cheeses, I think, as you say, are sort of reasonably well known. I mean, and... port and Stilton. If there's a more famous yes. pairing, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so we have included that for the traditional lists but then we also have things on offer for those that want to explore a new kind of pairing that they maybe haven't had before yeah and some people actually i don't think are terribly aware of the, the sort of the riches to be found in good food and wine matches because quite a lot of people maybe will be drinking a red with their main course and carry on drinking that same red through the cheese it's course, absolutely I should say. Right. but also through the dessert course as well. And like... It's so true. <laughs> I mean, it is a lot to ask someone to kind of grab a dessert wine if they're having a dessert, you know, red wine if they're having a meat course and white wine for fish, but actually it makes such a difference. And there's sort of three ways that cheese and wine can go together. Either they clash and they bring out the worst in each other. So if you pair a bitter kind of sharp lactic cheese with a like tanniny wine, for example, they're going to clash and you're going to end up with a really uncomfortable pairing. You've also got wine and cheese that sort of go together and you can taste both, but they don't enhance each other's flavours. Mm -hmm. So kind of that medium level, it's not bad, but it's not good. And then you come to, you know, the amazing pairings where the kind of acidity in a wine cuts through the real dense kind of rich creaminess of a cheese and then it makes both of them sing so it really there's so much value in in a good pairing yeah. uh, and in eating um, the right food with the right drink absolutely and do you think the people who are buying the packages or the people you're aiming the packages at are people who are simply having maybe a wine and cheese evening with friends or is it for the cheese course I think it's a mixture of both. You know, we launched these uh, at the end of last week. We've already sold multiple packs, which is really exciting. I think because each pack comes with extensive tasting notes, which I've written, um, so you can actually host this wonderful event at home as if you were going to a wine tasting in a bar or at a cheese shop. So, you know, you can sound like the expert. You've got all of the history of the cheese, information about the animals, the dairies, the production method, as well as the flavings and, and pairings. Um, it can can make for quite a special evening at home so I think it's going to be a real mix of people offering these as gifts to friends who can do it you know if they're isolating still or if they're at home um, but it's also something you can bring out at a dinner party or at the end of the meal with a partner or a friend or family uh, to kind of really show off your knowledge and learn something yes I obviously don't go to the right dinner parties. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have the right friends. But now these are so accessible, you know, maybe you'll see them pop up. I'll mention them to all my friends. You absolutely <laughs> should do. So as a staff, you sat down and did some 
cheese and wine pairings to we do. did we do lots and lots of tasting at work you know it's part mm. of the job we have to know part of the job or <laughs> it's a very good job you know we do know we do need to know what every single cheese in the deck tastes like yeah. and just because you've tried one isle of mulled cheddar let's say the next one we open will be completely different so it's really important that we do constant tasting so our full team are aware of you know the intricacies of every single cheese um and you know what we need to know all the other products too and you know that happens to include the wine so <laughs> we're not going to complain about that but we've launched beer and cheese tasting packs in the past cider and cheese tasting packs as well they've always been really really popular we've had incredible feedback so it's the next step really to offer something kind of one up it's also a really good value way of buying these cheeses and wines and um, buying them all together we offer a significant discount so it's actually also a way of customers just discovering things they might not have been able to afford before or they might not have considered before um, so there's lots of reasons behind it but yeah. yes our team have to be well informed about everything in the shop um, and this was just a particularly fun <laughs> afternoon <laughs> sounds like a great place to work Camilla. it's the best place to work in Cambridge for sure I'm, not, I'm interested in knowing though when you have a team of people doing uh, doing a matching is there a sort of complete agreement or is there individual there's definitely difference, individual taste but there are things which just do work mm. um and there are things which just don't so there might be a little bit of you know preference in between two creamy young goat's cheeses let's say um, and then we'd look at the entire pack as a whole and choose something that's either the most different or the most interesting or the least likely to have been tried before so that we can show people new things but generally our team despite having quite different taste in cheeses have all really come to an agreement on these tasting packs right that's fantastic and so and they're available via your website presumably. they're available via the website in our gift section and you can also come and request them in the shop as well and we can build them at, while you're here in under five minutes oh that's fantastic great thanks very much you're very welcome thank, thank you. you so much thank you well, how irresistible. And if that gives you an idea for Valentine's evening, the Cambridge Cheese Company in All Saints Passage is open today until 5pm, that's Saturday, and every weekday it's open from 10am till 4pm. Uh, is cheese and wine matching a passion of yours, Sue? Well, cheese is definitely a passion of mine. <laughs> I, I think I was a mouse in another life. And uh, <laughs> in fact, I at the most amazing Vachon because I oh. had to try this recently because I was writing an article <laughs> for the lady on cheese. So, yes, and then decent wine with it, perfect. Yeah, well, Vacheron is superb. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So can you remember what wine you had? I was actually very naughty. I was just eating the Vacheron by itself. <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. And now details of free food available in and around Cambridge and the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. And first off the block is Emily on Cherry Hinton Road. She's got an unopened refill pack of Red Bush tea to give away. She got it as a present, but it's not to her taste. It's not to mine either, and I love tea. But if you think you're ready for this jelly, then Innes in Trumpington has five packets of the stuff available in various flavours. 
Mali on the road to Barnwell has a Hovis wholemeal, Warburton's Danish and Tesco Tiger Bread, along with white and wholemeal rolls going spare. And finally, Juliana on Chesterton Road, that's near Jesus Green, or she's near Jesus Green. She cooked up her best Colombian lentils last night and she just wants to share them with someone. That's really nice. Not for vegetarians, though, as it does contain sausage. And that's just some of the free food that is available on the Olio app. Oh, good old Juliana, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's another free app which we frequently mention called Too Good To Go. And that brings you unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. In fact, I would say usually less than a third of the price. And rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag and it's ready for you to take home and that's instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading. And some recent examples, there's been some baked goods from Delice de France, items from Millie's Cookies, Boswell and Sons in Sawston, the Mohawk Cafe in Hazlingfield, breakfast goods from the Ibis Hotel near Cambridge Station, groceries from the spa in Stapleford, Hazlingfield Village Shop and Barrington Village Shop. All of these places regularly sell produce to avoid it going to waste. And typical costs are around about £3.50 for goods which would normally sell at £10 or more. So that's the Too Good To Go app. On to our first news section now, and with Valentine's Day approaching, let's begin with that. The Wine Rooms in Hills Road has a couple of tables available for Valentine's Day on Monday, and there's a four-course menu with an optional flight of wine. Bookings close this evening. Parker's Tavern has a special Valentine's menu at £56 per person. Reservations can be made via their website. The geographer is selling a chocolate-making kit which you order online. They're £18.95. And on the subject of chocolate, don't forget the Cambridge Chocolate Festival. It's on this weekend. It's happening now, today and tomorrow at the Histon Smokehouse. There's lots to see and do and eat and drink. And there's also a demonstration of chocolate-making from the bean to the chocolate. And if you haven't already got them, you can get free tickets for the garden events via Eventbrite and you can reserve a place for cocktails, uh, including some chocolatey cocktails, by calling Cambridge 491 174. And the regular smokehouse menu is available throughout the weekend and as always, walk-ins are welcome. Some pub news now. The Maypole in Portugal Place is celebrating 40 years since the Castiglione family took it over, with a huge party on 22nd of February from 5.30. There'll be an outdoor barbecue and a beer festival with more than 30 small independent breweries, and the people from the Belgian Brewer La Chouffe will be there with giveaways and tastings. It does sound like a marvellous evening. Congratulations to Cambridge Central Mosque, which donated nearly nine tonnes of staple foods to support the local community. Cambridge Sustainable Food delivered a portion to the food hub at the Edge Cafe, and the rest is being shared with the other seven food hubs in the city. Aromi is back open in Bennett Street. It reopened at 9am on Thursday and is bigger, obviously, a lot bigger, and less cluttered and with a huge pizza oven. And it seems that the cafe in Pease Hill is being retained. It's currently undergoing refurbishment. Pudini's March Supper Club has as a guest chef a former MasterChef winner, Julia Friend, who won in 1997. Bookings can be made online now. 
This coming Friday, Alex Rushmer is giving a talk in the Darwin College Lecture Series. It begins at 6pm and it's free. You don't need to book either, you can just turn up. The lectures are in the Lady Mitchell Hall on the university's Sidgwick site. Tomorrow at 7pm, a rare, if not unique, opportunity to find out about the art of historical biscuit art, something I've never really thought about. It's an online talk given by Dr Ella Hawkins and will include a live demonstration. Book via the website davidparhouse.org where you can also find more information. Sounds fascinating. I thought that would interest you. Oh, yes, yeah, I'm signing up, <laughs> definitely. Art. I know. Amazing. Sounds brilliant. So, finally for now, Corinne Payet at Gourmandise has a croquembouche class coming up on the 20th of February. Book via Instagram. I fancy that. OK, now, cookery classes are back in full swing. Now, it's hardly news, but it sounds nice. In our last episode, Helen Underwood of the White Cottage Bakery in Kingston talked about a few of her bread classes. This time it's the turn of Tina Rush of the Cambridge Cookery and Cafe. I haven't seen Tina in the last three or four years, so it was really nice to return to Purbeck Road. And as ever, most of her classes were sold out. But here are three with places available. And here is Tina to give you an idea of what's on offer, starting with Kickstart Kitchen Confidence. So I think the next one is one of our entry-level classes otherwise we try to not prescribe what the level of knowledge should be we, we think we can give something to everyone in most classes but we do have the kickstart kitchen confidence and that's a sort of all the basics from roasting a chicken making a crumble make a good cake cook a piece of salmon quite a few plant-based recipes and that's always a very it's a very satisfying one for us to run and because we can see the good it does as well that's a lot to fit into an evening yes we try to fit in as much as we can i mean we're a team of leaths and cordon bleu trained chefs but we want to share our skills it's not about us showing off so it's completely hands-on but people work around either one big table or a couple of slightly smaller ones so you don't do a cake each or stand and cook your own piece of fish it's slightly communal but we do basic skills first you know knife skills flavor combinations seasoning and so on and then we move on to preparing things so I always think, you know, if you if you come and watch someone do something, then you quickly forget it. So you have to do it yourself, I think, hands-on, and, and then that, there's that satisfaction when you sit down to a big dinner, obviously, at the end of this, a big dinner, you think, gosh, I made all of this, and it's all delicious. <laughs> <laughs> like you said at the beginning, uh, this is a, a recurring class, so if you miss the opportunity to book a place on this one, there will be another class happening yes. a month yes. from now, say. Absolutely. Most of our classes run with a certain interval. I mean, some of them that are constantly very popular run with slightly more regularity obviously but yes they're spread out we try our best to spread them out between weekends and weekday evenings as well and sort of see if we can Mm. but certain things like our baking classes tend to always happen on a sunday because there's something nice about bread making or pastry making on a sunday the size of your classes well we never take more than 12 but we actually try to stay well below that eight to ten is is ideal for us for most of it If it's a baking class, that has also got to do with just space in the ovens, although we have a raft of them. If you imagine ten people all producing six or seven baking sheets each, it's a a lot of oven space, so there are lots of considerations to make sure that people feel that they are completely engaged and involved and that they are not in too too large a group. Yes, and if we do things like fish filleting, occasionally people say, I've booked on, you know, I'm thinking about booking on for the fish class, but how does it work? And, you know, everyone gets a fish each for every fish that we fill it, so there's a lot of hands-on otherwise we want to deliver a really excellent experience and and the quality and for people to go home with um, that feeling of 
renewed confidence or, you know, definitely having learnt something that perhaps seemed like a bit of a mystery. Of course, it has to be completely one-on-one almost. That's what we try to deliver. So on the 10th of March, you have a global food safari. Spring 2022, Leg 3, Central America. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, so the Food Safari actually came about. Gosh, it's been one of our uh, one of our stalwarts for a long time. It's been one of the most popular ones. It was designed to be slightly less technically demanding, with an emphasis also on the sort of networking, social aspect of it. Mm. It's, it's always run on a Thursday evening, because we just found that people came straight out of work, perhaps, or but the whole aspect of meeting others who were also there, perhaps feeling slightly nervous when they walked through the door and just wanting to chat about food and meet other people and so we wanted it to be not too challenging when we do fish or knife skills it's obviously very focused Mm. as as so are the recipes here but they just tend to be slightly less so and we did it as a food safari where you can book in to join us around the world for four legs we go eastward so we start with sort of thailand that part of the world and move our way around or you just book in for one leg so that third one will have a few people on it who have traveled with us since Mm. leg one which is in a week or so but every class will also have more people actually who are only there for that particular one because either they want to do eastern food or they want to do we have one which is spain stroke north africa and so on so yeah they're very very enjoyable i would say And then finally, on the 13th of March, croissants and classic French pastry classes. Yes, oh, croissants. So that's one of the classic ones, obviously. A lot of our bread-making ones are, and my whole team are either Cordon Bleu or Leeds trained, so we are very rooted in the classic French, which is something we all feel... You can never take that away from from us. Once, you know, that is the technique that underpins everything. Mm. So croissants is obviously quite an ambitious one to take on as a home baker. And I certainly wouldn't claim that, oh, this is a doddle, you know, you can do this quickly in half an hour on Sunday mornings from now on, because it isn't. But it can be done. And it's hugely satisfying to take on something that is a little bit more complex. And it's just a sort of time-consuming, but also very meditative class in some ways, because the basic dough that you use, which is really basic, and into which you fold a lot of butter, Mm. and you fold in a certain way and then put it to rest in the fridge, that happens three or four times. So there's a very cyclical pattern to this class and whilst the pastry sits in the fridge uh, we obviously have to do other things so we then hand mix for brioche which is something that nobody would choose to hand mix normally but Mm. we make quite a small quantity and getting the sort of hand feel what the french call tour de main is really important because you will remember how it should feel if you just chuck it in a food processor you'll never really know yes um and you're just working away so it's almost a mindfulness class in some ways and then it produces just a heck of a lot of super, super delicious pastries at the end of it. So and what could be better? <laughs> Mindfulness in doing something with your hands and something that is an ancient skill or a part of a culture, isn't it? It's, it's a good thing to do. And what better thing to connect with than a, a homemade, handmade, homespun brioche? Exactly. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thought straight off the bat, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you very much, Tim. We are here at the Cambridge Cookery and Bistro. These were just three of the many classes that you are currently running. Yes. There'll be plenty more that you can check out on the website, but we just wanted to champion a few. So, great. Thank you very much, team. Thank you for having me. And that website address is cambridgecookery.com. And don't forget, they are open every Wednesday to Sunday. And just so you know as well, classes that they also do include team events, private parties, and Duke of Edinburgh award courses. (laughs) 
And there's the music signaling time for news from social media. Yes, some news that's come in this morning. Finn Boys are going to be open on Monday lunchtime. Of course, they're not usually open on Mondays at all, but they're going to be open on Monday lunchtime because it's Valentine's Day. Uh, they will have nine tables of two, and that's for a special a la carte lunch. They're also opening in the evening, but that was announced a long time ago, and that's sold out. This is a new announcement. Cam's Cuisine is in reintroducing its loyalty card. Visit any of their venues and collect six stamps to receive 25% off your bill on your seventh visit. So that includes places like Millworks, Cambridge Shophouse, Tickell Arms and so on. The Green Rooms at 80 High Street Sawson is now open for dinner on Fridays and Saturday evenings and it's a very nice looking venue. News for today, Saturday, the Eclipse Bakery in Mill Road is having to close today at 1.30. And Wine Rooms, the next tasting at the Wine Rooms on Wednesday is going to be live online. So that will be very interesting. We're off for a two-minute break now. See you on the other side. Cambridge 105 Radio. The pandemic made me realise when live theatre comes back, I really want to do as much of it as possible. Third-year English student Gregory Miller with a meaty part at the ADC coming up. And award-winning violinist Leo Appel is back in concert after graduating in music during the pandemic. My first year and a half at Cambridge really was amazing and filled with so much music-making. And Christ College organ scholar James Tett on his first acquaintance with that giant instrument. As a five-year-old, I remember looking up and thinking, I'm going to play that. Plus Poppy Saunders on Noble Coward's Fallen Angels. Premarital relations, a hundred years ago when this play came out, was quite controversial. <laughs> Performers are plenty with Meet Tony Barnfield here on Cambridge 105 Radio this Sunday at 2. Just your average night. Fraser's upstairs gaming online with his mates. Sophie's streaming her favourite tunes in her bedroom. Mum's downloading the latest drama box set. And Dad's liking kitten videos on his phone. But this isn't your average night. Thanks to City Fibre's full fibre network, everyone's gaming, streaming and scrolling at breakneck speed. Join Cambridge's gigabit revolution today. Head to cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life cambridge 105 radio and welcome back to flavor and our second news section it's national drink wine day on friday as well as being national battery day the day on which you're invited to read up on the history of batteries to buy a battery and to recycle bad ones um, I, th I think National Wine Day is more our scene, so in this new section we start with two events from Cambridge Wine Merchants. All this month there is a flight of Italian wine available at the Bridge Street and Cherry Hinton Road branches, and it's £9 for four samples. 
On the 23rd of February, Alan Ramey, the son of the founder of Ramey Wine Cellars, a producer from California, is hosting a tasting of their range. Cost is £35 a head, and that's in the King's Parade branch. And away from wine, on, on to beer, Calverley's Brewery has a new lager called Vienna, and that's available on tap in Hooper Street or by the can. And now some Yorkshire pudding news. The Tickle Arms in Whittlesford has plate-sized Yorkshire puddings on the menu tomorrow, Sunday, but it's first come, first served. News from City Boys Seafood Kitchen. The staff have contracted Covid, so they are closed this weekend. Yes, and related to that, Alex Rushmer of Vanderlyle tweeted this week to highlight the difficulties still facing the hospitality business. There is the fact that Covid has not gone away and many restaurants and cafes are having to close unexpectedly because of staff illness. Recent examples including Vanderlyle itself, Pint Shop and, as we just heard, City Boys. And of course, closure means reduced takings. And yet there's also serious inflation affecting the prices they have to pay for their food. Energy prices are doubling and they cost a small restaurant, even a small restaurant like Vanderlyle, which is only open four days a week, about five to six thousand pounds a year. VAT is increasing from 12.5% for restaurants to 20% in six weeks' time. And one issue I don't think Alex did raise is the higher-than-inflation wage deals many places are having to offer to gain or retain staff. So restaurants and cafes are in a difficult position. We need to try and support them. We need to eat out. Just to update you, Fansets Bistro in Mill Road is currently closed for a winter break and will reopen on the 21st of February. And that's our final piece of news for today. OK. Have you ever heard of slow TV, slow radio, slow news? It's all about escaping the 24-hour media consumption junket, stepping off that hamster wheel and letting things breathe a little. The Scandinavians, they love it, apparently. They have TV programmes which are several hours long, where a camera crew travel with a team of reindeer pulling a sled of cargo from one village to another. And this is all done in real time. If they don't complete the trip before the sun sets, the temperature plummets, and even the reindeer have to stop. Now, in a programme like this, there's no editing, there's no cuts, there's no script. You just travel with them and you hope they make it. But it's really compelling, and I've always wanted to try something a little similar on this programme. So, I went to an allotment in Whitehill, near the football stadium, to a plot that's run by a group called the Cambridge Cyrenians. Now, the Cyrenians support the homeless. They have hostels throughout the city, and they provide support in other ways too, such as with this allotment project. Now, whenever I've been to allotments and gardens for flavour, people on the site never say words like stress. They always use words like therapeutic, relaxing, calming, and that working the soil genuinely makes them feel at ease again. Now, the main voice in this slow radio feature is Ruth Wood. She's the project coordinator and horticultural therapist at the Cambridge Cyrenians, and I wanted as much as possible just to let people talk. The background noise is the crackling of their winter fire that we sat around. This is Cambridge Cyrenians allotment community and we've been building this community garden for over a decade now. We're based on an allotment site but we only have two traditional allotment plots that we grow vegetables on. At the moment we're sitting in what we call our wildlife area. In the summer, it's totally enclosed because of the trees and everything green up, but it's kind of still a really nice space in the winter as well because we're surrounded by a small orchard. 
wildlife pond. We Sounds a... ideal. <laughs> Is it ideal? <laughs> well, there's another word in Greek for idea. It's um, eidos. You could say it's eidosical or something. Eidosical. Did you know? Yeah. <laughs> what can you see from here um, in this space? It's around Chantel, Luke. The group, so that's a really important actually thing that we can see is each other. The thing about this project is that it's kind of very democratic as well. The group members make a lot of the choices about what we grow and we'll just do it. Music, poetry, art, horticulture, building, whatever you want to do. But we're pretty close to the city centre as well. And Cambridge United. Yeah. Get some of these chunky bits. So can you remember some of the stuff that we've cooked on the fire then? Yeah, it was potatoes. And we did sweet potatoes once. Sweet potatoes, well, bananas with vegan chocolate sauce. Oh, yeah, they were delicious, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, can you remember we cooked a curry as well on the fire, didn't we? Last winter, that was. Was it? Uh, I don't we've remember. made stews and stuff as well. Yeah, we? the best one was the chilli sauce with the tomatoes. And the did we make it? Yeah, wasn't it balsamic vinegar? And we chopped up the tomatoes out of the polytunnel. Yeah, tomatoes. And fresh basil. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was delicious, wasn't it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a wood, yeah, it just it increases the flavour. It's an old trick, isn't it? From the wood as well, yeah, yeah. but the fact that it was fresh from our Oh, right, yeah, yeah, it was a combination of two. Plants as well. So Freshness like... and... In fact, the wood is like, suggests mega sort of nature sort of thing, I suppose you say. Mega nature. Um, but it's, it's like the well. basics of cooking, isn't it? And it, like you take out all the nonsense and it's just that fresh vegetables cooked on top of a fire. Yeah, it's my only hot meal of the week. So, so, so I was looking quite to looking forward to Because I can't cook where I am, so not really. So. No. We need to do some more cook-ups then, don't we? Yeah, I'm, I've been working for that, yeah. Great idea. So Nigel was saying he, he doesn't have cooking facilities, but you take quite a lot of the fresh vegetables home and eat them yeah, raw charred. and fresh. And, yeah, charred. Basically favorite, charred. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Particularly in the autumn, we have cook-ups quite a lot because there's a lot to harvest. So when we harvest but all do the you vegetables... Know, do you know cooking from your own experience, or, or do you read cookbooks? Well, I'm vegan, but I also like to eat very fresh food as well. So, like, you know, picking your own food and cooking it. You can't get much healthier than that, can you, really? We were talking about that, weren't we, Chantelle, oh. about the difference between the taste of a tomato... And a potato. No, well, yeah, no, they do taste differently. Well, yeah, they do taste well, differently. that's a good point of discussion. <laughs> you say tomato, I say potato. <laughs> that's the one. Chilies are though. Chilies The difference between the taste of a shop-bought tomato oh, and God, one yeah. that we've... Yeah, 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 there's a so big difference. Yeah. yeah. A lot more fresher, not Just... being blasted with ice. Dry ice on and about. If you eat, like, particularly like the sweet corn that we grow here, if you eat corn on the cob, you can yeah, eat it raw straight from the plant because it's delicious <laughs> and sweet and so moist. Do you want a cup of coffee or tea? I'm all right, thanks. Okay, yeah, right. I'm good. I'm good. You can have your own little plot here if you want, or you can just help out. Last year I had a uh, little plot, uh, but I kept landing up in hospital. But I'm hoping yeah. that I can have another plot. Yeah. I live on a boat, I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm on Stalbridge Common. Best decision I ever made in my life. I was homeless, I was. Yeah. Yeah. In the polytunnel, we grow all the tender vegetables. Do you want to do a bit of sawing? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Chantelle, come and tell us what we've grown in our beds. Come on, yeah, you can. My favourites? That we've grown here. 
got to be the chilies. The chilies, <laughs> yeah. We grew quite a lot of varieties of chilies, didn't we, this year? Delicious. Year before. So we've got rhubarb, leeks, onions, radishes, peas. What's your favourite that you've just had in your sandwich? That you've just chard, chard every time, oh, chard. Chard. Love it must it. be the king of the vegetables. <laughs> <coughs> My king of the vegetables is the kale, though, because we, we grow quite a lot of kale throughout the season because it's, it's pretty um, frost-safe as well. Claire, what's your favourite vegetables that we've grown here? Tomatoes. Lots of different varieties of tomatoes, yeah. And I like yellow tomato better. Oh, that's right. We did a, we, a, a yellow variety, didn't we? Yeah. I think they were called yellow submarine. Quite sweet. Well, for instance, like the poor, they always talk about the poor, right? But who's the poor? In, Me! In the, in, but in the, yeah, but... Like, you're the one that brought up the French Revolution and how it's affected <laughs> cooking. Well, I heard this on the radio yesterday. Yeah, it was well, it's, it's fascinating, it's true, and I think it's really good to... <laughs> even just to know that, I mean, I didn't know that, I didn't know... Well, How the French Revolution affected cooking is, is, is I mean, it's that's fascinating, isn't it? It's brilliant. The British <laughs> Empire, if you can talk about that all over the world, affected what people ate. They brought different foods to different countries, didn't they? Also stole quite a lot of foods from other countries as well and brought them back to us. But there has been some scares for this allotment yeah. site. Since we've been here, there's been three serious planning advances. One was from the football ground. This ward needs a, a secondary school, apparently, because of the amount of kids of that age here. And they were, they were looking at this allotment site. You know, it would be devastating. We need these kind of spaces, not only... You know, I think a lot of people forget that there are working-class people who live in Cambridge who haven't got garden. A lot of people have an allotment because they actually need some space outdoors. Just a breather. Yeah. You can just, like... (sighs) And also to grow healthy veg as well. It's really, really important, this space. I mean, I followed my friend down because, um, you know, I'm unemployed and she's unemployed. Yeah. So I figured it'd be a great way to spend a some time just sort of connect with the earth again yeah you know one of the other things that we do here is we try and save our own seeds so a lot of the things like runner beans we just replant the same one so in fact i can't actually even remember what variety they are because we've been saving our seeds from pods for so many years that they've just they just keep going and keep going and keep going so it's, that's one thing that it's just quite sustainable then if you save your own seeds yeah i mean that's another uh, point as well as like the pandemic over the past two years you've been set in just with technology so this is just a way to get out and as I said to you earlier just reconnect with the land you know but then if we get big gluts from midsummer through autumn we just do like a little stall just in town mainly just to sort of raise awareness you know the public come and have a look at what we grow and we get some donations from people and stuff like that as well and we do a big pumpkin stall in town so we we all get dressed up in halloween costumes and raises awareness and people pick up a pumpkin and uh, give us some donations and stuff so is yeah. this down at the market no we do it we we have a usual One price that's right christ yeah, yeah. christ pieces yeah, yeah. Okay. it's a really good place to have a stall because like all people going into town from the Grafton Centre, walk through there. That's and it's, right, sort of, yeah. it's a bit like Germany in the middle of... The, they get a lot of trade because the people come all different directions, you know. 
like uh, Denmark, France, England, Italy. So Christ Pieces is like Germany. Poland. It's a crossroads, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Zolverein. It's a sort of Zolverein place, isn't it? I don't know what that means. You charge people when you go over your borders, like turnpikes, you charge we, them for we, going we through your land. We don't actually stop people and force them to pay us <laughs> no. to get past us. <laughs> no, that's true. Buy a yeah. pumpkin or you can't yeah. get past. <laughs> It's fruit tree pruning season now, so we've got quite a lot of small apple trees that we've planted actually for fruiting, yeah. but there's a few that haven't actually been pruned for a long time. So the one that we're on now, and there's a couple over there as well, we're doing some catch-up really, so it's not an annual prune mm. on these. We're actually kind of rejuvenating mm. these older, mature trees. Normally with a young tree, particularly if you're growing it for fruiting, you kind of just open it up into a goblet shape. So you've got a main stem and then you have this sort of goblet and the sort of central part of it, you need it kind of open so that there's lots of air that can get in and out and so it discourages disease. And With this, we're rejuvenating it. So we're kind of hacking up at some bigger stuff on this mature tree. What kind of apple does that grow? This is a green gauge. Oh, right. I think these small bits, they're unnecessary, they're not going to fruit anyway. No, so, so if we can take them out. Even that one on this side, Ruth. This one? Yeah. Left-handed. Yeah. If you can do both hands, it means you're... Ambidextrous. Um, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ambidextrous pruning. Alright, let's have ramble now. Hey! God, it's going to be happier without that growing through it. Do you think it's wise what we're doing? Yeah, it is good. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I, got, I was in a hostel. You had to do voluntary work. Mm. You could either do the food bank or gardening. And then when I did the gardening, it somehow I heard about this, so I enjoyed this as well. Poor old Ruth. I was very pleased when you came here as well. I was no, it was great. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. Once you become a member of the community here, you, you, you're stuck now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's difficult. Yeah. You're actually really interested in the horticultural side of things as well. I mean, some people who come yeah. here just, you know, come along and it's, a, it's a to do with community. It's about meaningful occupation. It could be, you know, just getting involved in the activities. But some people are actually really interested in learning about you know the, the science behind the growing and that kind of stuff as well so yeah yeah there's a, like there's probably a sickness in society and this is what's lacking you know you're not doing enough yeah i don't want to get all too weird on you like <laughs> but yeah let's like i think they're introducing it back into school systems aren't they they're trying to get kids back involved with plants and stuff and herbs yeah. and all that yeah 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 and they do it in denmark as well don't they they let the kids run around in the forests and all I think so, yeah, it's part of the kindergarten. I forget what it is, but it's, it's really good for the kids in any way. It's like sort of field craft, you know. It's just a really amazing place to come, and when you're feeling low and down and things like that, like, they lift your spirits and you come out, like, laughing and, like, really happy and chirpy. Richard, you're actually quite... Katie was saying that you're actually quite interested in the horticultural side of things. Yeah, well, anything, yeah, anything yeah. related to agriculture and so, just... Yeah, we can talk about... If you want to come again, then we can talk about getting involved in some... Oh, yeah. Yeah, anything, gorilla gardening, whatever. Husbandry, does that come under there? I don't know what you classify this whole thing as. 
we kind of try not to classify it as anything yeah. in a kind of weird way. I, I mean, like we were saying, you know, if you come up with an idea that you want to do, yeah. we haven't got much money, so usually we do, <laughs> Tell me about we do stuff like, so when Chantal said, I want to build a bike shed, I was like, yeah. cool, do it. We haven't got any money or any equipment, so you can do it with found wood and pallets. And they did. I mean, it's yeah. amazing, isn't it? It's kind of a nice way of doing things, isn't it? But I think that, I mean, that's what, that's what we're here for, isn't it? It's yeah. to, to work together to, as a community, and, and it's a really, in, in kind of solidarity. It's mutual aid in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it makes you feel better just being out. You know, is, does anyone want to think about what they want to do for the next year? Just beginning of the year kind of stage in the... Eat more chips. Survive COVID. <laughs> Eat more chips and survive COVID. Two okay. fantastic ideas. <laughs> and there we go, life on the White Hill allotments and what it means for people. I think that's what I wanted to get across, you know. Um, Yes, it's about food. Yes, we're a food program. But that's also it's also about a place, a good place, that means a lot to a lot of people. So big thanks to Ruth Wood and everybody else, Luke, Chantel, Nigel, Katie, Sarah, Claire, Richie, and Snowflake the Husky Dog. And you can find out more about the Cambridge Cyrenians at their website, cambridgecyrenians.org.uk. Cyrenians is spelt with a Y, by the way. Or you can see their allotment activities on Instagram, where they are known as r underscore community underscore allotment. Right, we've got um, a lot of jobs coming up today. But before then, we've got a bit, slight, bit of spare time. And here in the studio on Saturdays, we obviously deliver our programme, but uh, while the features are playing, we'll chat to each other. And also Sue and I often spend time looking at Saturday's feast section from The Guardian. And, uh, well, there's a few things in here which we could share, aren't there, Sue? Ooh, uh, yes. what, what have you been particularly attracted to today? Well, I particularly am attracted by, I love Felicity Cloak's writing and the way in which she often compares to find the best of something in a particular recipe. And this one struck my heart immediately because it's a cheese pithive. <laughs> oh, and she is saying how exactly, because often a pithive is basically two discs of really good flaky butter type flaky pastry put in together and then with a filling, often a sweet filling, often an almond-based filling, put in the centre. But now people are getting much more adventurous with their pithivets. And this <laughs> is the most gorgeous layer of potatoes. And she is suggesting the best type of cheese you should put in it is a whole reblochon, which sounds really rather amazing. It does. And then putting in caramelised onions or leeks or bacon lardons, a bit like a tartiflette. And... It looks absolutely gorgeous, and I definitely think I'm going to have a go at making it. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, bring some in if you have yes. any left over. Yes, yes, will And Tartiflette uses Roblechon as well, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yeah. It Which does indeed. Which is why it's seasonal, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. I really like Felicity Cloak's pieces. And when she talks about this is the way Mark Hicks goes about it, this is the way Callum mm. Franklin's version goes i've tried these with my tasting panel i've adapted it and we fit that we think this is the way to go I, it's that's just right really good food writing yes no it's, it's really interesting and yeah. and the one that she mentioned which is um 
the the pie book, which is Callum Franklin's version from his book The Pie Room. I think this is where her particular take on the cheese pithive comes right. from. And it's it's just oh it looks absolutely gorgeous. Right. Can we go on, Matt? Have we another twenty seconds? Oh crikey. Well, there's a nice piece from Rachel Roddy, as usual, who has been on this programme, of course. And also, Grace Dent is at, where's she at? The St. Pancras Station? Yes, it's the booking office, 1869, and the St. Pancras Station. It's the most amazingly decorated room. It's a bar, it's a restaurant, very buzzy sort of bistro-type atmosphere. And I have eaten there a couple of times. Not recently, sadly. Mm. Haven't been travelling, but... It was really fun. Right, and it does look wonderful. And there's Green Onion signalling the start of our job section. Uh, Linton Kitchen has two vacancies, each for four or five days a week. One is for someone with experience in food preparation and customer service, and the other is a junior kitchen position which would suit a school leaver looking to begin a career in hospitality. Both jobs will require at least one day of weekend working and hours somewhere between 8am and 6pm. Send your CV to Gemma at thelintonkitchen.com. Café Foy is reopening in March and requires front-of-house staff and a barista. Contact caféfoy at gmail.com. Caféfoy at gmail.com. Thank you, Alan. OK. <laughs> Stair Bakery has two positions available. A Saturday bike person to deliver bakery produce to local residential addresses and a delivery driver and packing assistant. Weekend working is essential. Uh, if you're interested in either of these jobs, then contact the Stir Bakery. Cambridge Sustainable Food is looking for volunteers this half term from the 14th to the 18th of February to help with its holiday lunch programme. You can contact Becca, B-E-C-C-A, at cambridgesustainablefood.org if you're interested. Trompington Residents Association is looking for a food hub coordinator to help with the day-to-day running of the hub. It involves ensuring that the hub continues to help many people and reaching out also to potential supporters and growers. It's eight hours a week, running from April to December 2022. The current pay is is £10.83 per hour. To find out more and to get an application form, contact Smita Botre by e-link trafoodhub.com smita s-m-i-t-a dot botre b-o-t-r-e at gmail.com the closing date is the 25th of february um a quick roundup of restaurant and cafe vacancies now uh, you might like to pop into any you're interested in applying for at a quiet time to see if it's what you want the uh, clayton hotel in station road cambridge needs a breakfast chef and they're offering between 23 and 25000 pounds a year plus overtime and the hotel is also looking for a chef to party chefs to party are very much in demand at the moment the ivy brasserie in trinity street also needs one as well as a commie chef and a sous chef A chef de partie is needed at Downing College in Regent Street. It's a 37 and a half hour week and the pay is just short of £24,000 a year plus a £1,000 retention bonus. The closing date is midday on 18th of February. The address for further information and where you send your CV to is hr at dow.cam.ac.uk. 
uk. Right, a few more uh, positions for Chef de Partie. Uh, the Boot in Histon, they're paying up to £13 an hour. Lock Fine in Trumpington Street, paying between £11 to £16 an hour. The Anchor in Silver Street is looking for a Chef de Partie, as is the Gonville Hotel, which is paying £11.50 an hour. And Pint Shop in Wheeler Street, which is offering between £8 to £13 an hour. Stem and Glory in Station Road is paying £10.50 an hour, and all these jobs come with other benefits too, some including reduced or even free food, a share of tips, and so on. Fitzbillies in Trumpington Street and Bridge Street require a brunch and grill chef. This involves no evening or late night working at all, and the pay is up to £15 per hour, including tips. A grill chef is needed at Byron in Bridge Street at £10 per hour. Butch Annie's in Market Street wants a pizza chef and that attracts a pay of £28,000 a year and they also need a sous chef. A sous chef and junior pitmaster is required at Millworks in Newnham Road. That's between £24,500 and £27,000 per year. A pastry chef is needed at the Gonville Hotel in Gonville Place. There the pay is £20,280 per year. Parker's Tavern has a wide range of opportunities available, uh, all well paid and with perks like free accommodation, subject to availability, free meals on duty, staff discounts and so on. Posts available include kitchen coordinator, chef to partee, head chef, sous chef and breakfast chef. Details can be accessed via the University Arms Hotel website. And finally, Trinity Hall has several vacancies, a food and beverage supervisor and two assistants, one full-time and one at 20 hours a week, a general kitchen assistant, casual waiting staff, casual bar staff. More details are available on the Trinity Hall website. And if you have any queries about working at Trinity Hall, you can phone Cambridge 764-660 or you can email jobs at trinhall.cam.ac.uk. CVs are only accepted if accompanied by a Trinity Hall application form, which again, you can get from the website. And that takes us to the end of our programme for today. Don't forget that we are here on Alternate Saturdays at 12 noon, repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm, and will also be available via podcast early next week. Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1 o'clock is the Gadget Guide, but that's all from us. Don't forget you can contact us via Instagram or Twitter, where we are at Flavour105, and you can email us, flavour at... What, what is our email address, Mike? Can you remember? I never email us. <laughs> <laughs> Flavour at cambridge105radio.co.uk. That's what it we is. We hope. <laughs> we'll be back on the 26th of February with lots more food and drink, news, jobs and features. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.